Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorization number TP slash 01005. Welcome to Crunching the Numbers. Going inside and breaking down the game and finding out what all the data means. Well, thanks for joining us once again here on Crunching the Numbers. You have Mark Spores and Shane Leonard from Data Driven Sports Analytics. Shane, thank you once again for joining us. Hey, everyone. Hopefully you've had a great week this week um, and uh, look forward to, to talking to you on this podcast today. Hopefully everyone's doing well in these tough times uh, around the world and uh, obviously we just want to bring you the latest tennis and keep you up to date with everything, obviously, tennis has, has been doing from a data perspective and obviously matching the data with the art of coaching as well and being able to implement that. And today's topic, we're going to talk a little bit around the uh, the tournament analysis and planning side of things that obviously Shane, yourself and I have been doing for a period of time together and um, obviously looking at not only our own player which we touched on in our last episode looking at how we utilize what our player does and be able to break down opponents and uh, Shane you're a big part of what I've been doing over the last few years and obviously um, you know we had the, the great success at the Australian Open and have had great success with a few other players obviously in the last few months as well and what you do is really critical to what I do and then it complements each other and it's obviously again the art and the science merging together to be able to create some success so Shane can you talk us through, um, obviously, we'll have, let's say we have a player that is about to play a tournament. What are the steps that go into place from your side of things? to be able to then help the coach or the player? Yeah, so today we're going to talk about um, when our athletes um, in a tournament um, and, and I suppose the work that we're, we do before the tournament starts, once a draw is known, what happens during the match and, and post-match, what, what, what do we do or post-tournament, what do we do? You'll notice that at all of these stages, there's something that's quite fundamental and that's communication. So the communication um, obviously between Mark and, and myself has to be clear and, it, uh, and we have to make sure that we understand each other and then Mark has... All all the information he needs from me so he can deliver uh, the message he needs to deliver to the athlete as uh, clear, articulate um, as possible so there's no misunderstanding. And the other important thing that I want to sort of do right at the start, I want to distinguish this work to the sort of pre-tournament work that we were discussing in, in last week's podcast where I think the focus is almost 100% on the athlete um, with the exception of maybe a, a few benchmarks of other players that we might um, try and compare our player to really the focus is on our athlete, their patterns, their training. But when we go into a tournament, I think particularly in my mind as the the analyst or the, the data scientist, I, I switch immediately to, to thinking about the opponent a bit more. While uh, Mark and, and the coaches and, and the players, they're chilling in their, their cafe, sipping their pina coladas. <laughs> I'm uh, trying to get my hands on the draw as fast as I can. And uh, as soon as I know who they're playing, first thing I'll do is I'll have a look at uh, my video database to see if I've actually got some um, data on, on this player or this opponent already. And, and in particular, what I'm trying to look for is not just the opponent, but when that opponent has played someone similar, similar style, height, tendencies on court as our player. And 
then also uh, the next layer is really to look at what are the conditions our player or the match will be in. So what surface are they playing on? Is it indoor? Is it outdoor? You know, is the court set up in a way that wind might be a big factor? Are they playing during the day? Are they playing at night? These are all things I try and pull out matches that are similar. So uh, the information I go sort of almost takes out that um, scenario uh, variability. But that's not always possible. I think I mentioned last week, the matches in my database, there's a, a, there's a dashboard, pre-built dashboard that sits on top of that. So when the matches are in there, it will already capture um, some key area information like serve directions, um, return positions, behavior under pressure. I mean, this list is not exhaustive, but there, there's a lot of things that it automatically sort of pre-populates when I select a player. And the video itself can actually be filtered for, for the coach. Probably important as well for me, even if the match does already exist in the database, that I actually still watch a few of these matches. So I'll, I'll use the filters and try and look at key moments and key things on the forehand, backhand positions and take notes. One of the, the problems when you're, certainly when you're working with some of the RTF future level players, you, you don't have the luxury of all the footage. So you have to scale the internet. You have to tap into your coaching network. I've got a great analyst sort of network that I communicate often with and we share information. So you're going to need to tap into that almost as a last resort. You can look at, you know, things like YouTube, Daily Motion, some of the video sites online to try and get some footage. Now, my aim is to, to try and get at least five matches worth of data. But if there's no footage in the database and the player is playing the following day and often these draws are 6 p.m. or something, so there's not a lot of time, then it's, it's probably two, um, at best three matches depending on what footage is available. I love Grand Slams because as, as the analyst in the team, you have that extra day. But I, I still want to stress the, the importance of getting that information in a timely manner is, is incredibly is important because um, you want the coach to be able to use some of that in practice with the player. You grab the, obviously, you get the opponent's name, you find them, you get a match of theirs, you cut up the match to make sure that there's no length of match that we have to watch. So basically, you take away all the in-between points in games, uh, you send me a video of, of the player, which is condensed from like two hours to 20 minutes, which is super, and I get to watch it in shorter time frames. And you also then tag it so then I can actually research just when the opponent's serving or just when they're returning so I can get a really good feel of what the player does. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that's that's fundamental, like that Mark mentioned, reducing the, the length of time. The, the coach and the player, they, they've got so much on their mind and so many things from a training perspective, from, you know, gym, from, um, you know, eating, that they don't have the time or the luxury to, to watch 10 matches. Uh, so condensing it to key parts that the opponent does well and key parts that your player does well or that the opponent doesn't do so well, that's, that's really important. The, the other thing I try and get to, to the coach is I've got a pre-built sort of dashboard that spits out a report. So I'm trying to get a report with some of the key key statistics to the coach but I'll also in an email just put my observations to the coach so because I've watched probably more of the footage it just also gives a quick summary for the coach on how I'm seeing the game. It's actually important to have the vision and the numbers and the interpretation of your side and then I read it watch it and give my interpretation and we bring it together to be able to create a game plan and I think that is really really critical is to make sure we grab everything and then we put it in the funnel and then obviously as you hate when I say this but we put it in our funnel and we filter out 
you know, all the stuff we don't need and we just bring out that little bit of, you know, gold information that we do need to be able to plan against the opponent. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, I'm, and I'm reaching out to the analysts that might be listening. <laughs> I, I don't think all that data ever gets wasted. So in this situation, we might only use two or three things for this, this scenario, but down the track, we could be looking for another scenario. So uh, I think doing the analysis and doing it so it's mathematically correct, all of that is really important and, and that work still needs to happen. But absolutely, it does need to go through a panel because as Mark touched on in a previous podcast, player can't take in a lot of information before I'm at. Yeah, so it's about keeping it simple, especially from a coaching perspective. I want to keep it simple for my athletes to understand. And uh, when you do your, your analysis, Shane, of the opponent, so obviously we know what our player is going to do in any particular moment. We've got their game plan sorted, their patterns of play. We know where our player likes to serve on the big moments and how they like to play the patterns, etc. What are you looking for specifically? And we talk about this as being condensed into certain, obviously, elements of the opponent's game. But what do you give me? And can you give the listeners a bit of an idea from a data perspective? How much do you give me? Yeah, so I think it's really important that... I suppose the key parts of tennis, the serve, the return, you know, the volley game movement. I try and give a summary for each of those points to the coach, but you touched on patterns. So I would look at patterns that work well for the opponent, patterns that don't work so well, and then patterns our player does and try and marry up. Okay, if we play our good patterns, then that's actually, you know, exposing the opponent. So try and do that sort of analysis and um, give that to the coach. And obviously we, we have a real big focus and obviously this is my preference as a coach, which I've given you obviously in the past, but um, I like to have three areas that I work with um, in my game planning. And that is when my player is serving, when my player is returning and when the ball is live and it's in play after those first four shots. So basically there's three scenarios you can play in it's the serve plus one return plus one and then live play and you break it down for me which i think is really good to be able to then have a game plan in each of those three categories and, I, and i've got obviously in front of me uh, one of the ones you've broken up from a particular player you show me how many errors are hit etc etc but my real focus point is we can only control basically the serve and the plus one probably the return and the plus one and then when the ball's in play how do i want to play but then where do i need to put the ball to beat the opponent so um, the way you break it down obviously is really important for the coach and making sure that you break it down to the coach's philosophy also. And often I'm trying to also, uh, particularly in the report, just give um, some information on under pressure. Maybe there's one or two little gems in there that you can pick out just to keep an eye on. But again, it's trying to keep it simple in the report as well. That general analysis for me, the under pressure analysis is really important. So I remember there was a match that you gave me um, an analysis for a player we were working with in Mildura. You came up with on the big points, the juices, the 30 alls, the player is always going to serve to this spot, the opponent. And then we had our player basically sit on that return on the big moments and she was able to combat the opponent's best play the whole time. And that just took away the strength of the opponent. The opponent started then change their patterns. It didn't work for them. They made more errors. And I think that was a huge moment because I only got the player to sit in that spot on those big moments and not every single point. Uh, I suppose just one, one example. And, and I think, um, again, with, and I, I want to stress here um, that I'll give a lot of information. It has to go through that filter with the coach and, and communication is big. And, and, and there are situations where the athlete will try and fish for information and, and go to the analyst. So I think with Mark's athletes, it hasn't been that 
that bad, but uh, with a number of coaches that I've worked with, the, the athlete will try and get more and more information. And it's really important as the analyst to, to check in with the head coach before you give anything. There's yeah. a plan and you want to stick to that plan. It's a great point because the reasoning behind that is there's obviously the trust element. There's the coach knows the player better than the analyst. The analyst will know the numbers. And just knowing how each individual will accept that information is critical. So what you may say, Shane, to one of my athletes might be 100% correct, which I'm, I'm sure it will be. But it might be delivered in a way that the athlete receives it differently to what the coach would give it. And I think that's the critical part of amalgamating the, the science and the art together because it, athletes are, are in a mindset of they just want to win. So they'll get as much as they can but think that's the right thing. But generally, it's not. It might only be one or two things that will change the match, and that's all you really need. And the coach knows the athlete much better than anybody because of the pure yeah. trust and relationship built previously. Yeah, so I think the next um, thing that I want to sort of move our discussion to is what happens during the match. For me, it will go back to, I suppose, where the relationship and, and, and the role has been defined with me and the coach. And, and sometimes the coach really wants me to do live tagging. Um, if that's the case, then I my preference is to to sit either in the, you know my house or the hotel room and get a stream of of the footage, and then I can do it with the computer because um, often you can't go courtside with with the, the PC or and and the mobile devices are still in terms of tagging panels that they're, they're not up to to sort of that performance high performance sort of level that you need. So that's my preference if I'm doing live tagging. Uh, if I'm not doing live tagging, then and I and I'm at the tournament, then I'm usually trying to be courtside in the in the box and um and and just take a notepad and just jot down a few notes from the match, um, some cri critical moments, uh, key observations, behavioural. Um, just take those notes down because I think that will help me when I do the the comprehensive match annotation tag later on to focus my attention on certain things and will also help in terms of the the email um, with summary of my my view of, of the match to to the coach and if I'm not doing the sort of live tagging usually I'll do the um, the match tag at some point uh, on the same day after the match is finished but but noting that the priority is given to tagging the next opponent if you're still in the draw at drive driven sports analytics we've certainly reduced the tagging time and and we're certainly working with some great partners on trialing some computer vision solutions uh, which are reducing the, the tagging time so it's it's allowing us to to get more of the tagged data done quickly so um, and, and I think the, the other point I want to stress here you know some coaches want to do a review within two hours of the match if that's the case then you do need to do your players match quickly others just want notes so um, if you've taken notes during the match um, and your observations that's all they want and some some coaches and I, and I think I'd put Mark in this bucket uh, have a very forward looking uh, view um, and they don't really want to look in too much detail on, on the match that's taken place with your player, particularly if they're in the draw, until the end of the tournament. Yeah, I think that that's obviously my philosophy is if my player is continuing to win uh, through a tournament, as we had David do at the Australian Open or Catherine um, in Mildura or Sarah, etc., if they're winning, uh, you don't want to look back as to what they've just done. You want to keep continuing to look forward. Okay, what can we do now? Okay, we've got to recover really well. We've got to stretch. We've got to look forward for, you know, what we're going to have, get some good night's sleep. We've got an opponent coming up that does A, B, and C. Let's practice for that. Let's get into the mind frame of looking forward to, you know, stepping into the ball rather than, you know, waiting back in this match. And you try and push their mindset to what's about to happen. 
and stay stay present. If you continue to look back, we're just focusing on things that have already been done. Now, for me, I want to make sure that my player celebrates the wins and celebrates the little things and, and enjoys that. But don't analyze that. That's been done. Um, the only thing I take from the previous match is I thought you did this, this, and this really well. We're going to take that into the next match. So I take the positive from that previous match. And then at the end of the tournament, Shane, I ask you for all the vision and then we, we, we do the reviewing at the end of the tournament. Yeah, and I think I want to sort of stress to, to the all-day performance analysts, data analysts, and you know, data scientists working in teams and not just tennis in other sports as well. You, you make sure that you, you keep that sort of data that you've collected and you label um, things in your database uh, nice and efficiently because you, at some stage you're going to call upon that analysis to do a report or to do some prediction modeling um, and you want to make sure that you, the work that you did during that tournament um, is appropriately labeled and you can sort of make sense of it down the track. The more data you can collect, the better that subsequent analysis can be. And do you want to talk a little bit about, um, obviously, post-tournament? What, From your perspective, what happens post-event? Yeah, the, the other thing that's sort of going on in the background, and it doesn't necessarily go into the sort of tournament review, but the data from the tournament that the player just played, it goes into the, the database. And, and every 25 or so matches, I try and do a report for the coach, and the athlete can see it as well, which just highlights some of the things that have happened in in that sort of block of time. So you look at key areas, serve, return, some of the numbers on directional numbers and patterns that have worked well, haven't worked well, but it just shows that. And then, you know, you compare it to perhaps the 25 game block before. And that's something I do periodically. Yeah, I think that's really important. I think after a tournament, basically my role is getting all the information, the data from you, and then seeing the commonalities that happen. A lot of coaches take the data, for, say for example, a player doesn't serve well in one match, but they've been serving really well previously. The, the coach sometimes jumps on the, oh, you didn't make enough first serves, we're gonna go practice your first serve. But it's not a commonality. I think we, we can't jump to conclusions that once off events don't necessarily need your attention all the time. That then gives the player too much of a worry about, oh my God, I'm not serving well. And I, I feel like we, we've got to make sure from data, we look at common denominators, common problems, common issues, common positive things as well, and utilize the commonalities that the player does rather than once-off occurrences. And if we get good at that as coaches or analysts or players, we become more successful and consistently successful because we're not jumping on one moment of my forehand didn't work in that match. You know, it, it doesn't matter if it doesn't happen once. It's a matter of the common common things. That's development is correcting and analyzing the commonalities and not just the the once-off occurrences yeah and that's a key mark so with, with the stuff that we go out we, we've got to make sure that we've got a sufficient amount of data in our sample size before sort of coming up with a conclusion based on you know one match or part of a match certainly with the tournament we have the entire tournament's worth of data when we sit down with with the player and, and to discuss trends and and that's perhaps the, one of the big reasons why i like to do you know that 25 you know 5 10 15 game blocks before I, I come out with a report. You can have one match that's a complete outlier compared to, to any other match. Absolutely. So I guess like in, in concluding this uh, podcast, it's important for our listeners out there to really take into account that the communication between your data analyst or if you, your player and yourself as a coach or, or you, you're a player out there and you've got a coach, communication is critical to devising a game plan, whoever else you work with in your team, really everybody needs to be on that same page to ensure that you amalgamate the art and the science 
between what you're doing. So get to the raw numbers or the vision and the opinion, and then also make sure that you utilize the art to, to give that to your athlete. Or if you're a parent and you've got a child out there, it's the art of how much I give someone that is critical, not just giving everything that I see and everything that I know. Utilize the little bits of gold when you're planning for matches. So, you know, if you see an opponent has 10 different things you can isolate, Make sure you only use one or two against the opponent. I've got a little rule when I do a game plan. It's the 80-20 rule. 80% of the time focus on what you can control and 20% the opponent. There's no point vice versa because if you're focusing too much on the opponent, you've got too much out of your element of control, out of your space. So allow your athlete to play to their strengths and then identify two or three little bits of gold in the opponent that we can expose. The other thing is also review once a tournament is done. So continue to look forward. Don't review every single match. The player doesn't want to hear all about what they did wrong in the previous match. Take the bit, little bits of positivity, move it forward, take that into your next match. At the end of the tournament, do a review together and then train for what you need to work on for the next tournament. Um, and also, if you're a little bit more like me, you need a little bit of structure to your planning. So think about planning three scenarios. When you're serving, when you're returning, and once the ball is live after those first four shots are the three areas that you can really identify for your game planning and game structure. Hopefully we've been able to give you a little bit of a, an insight into what happens on game day for your athlete, for your analysis, through your coaching. We haven't touched on being a parent on game day, but if you're a parent, just make sure you don't pull your hair out too, too much because it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's quite a nerve-wracking time sitting in the stands and we definitely feel it, but the player also feels it as well. And please allow the player to play and do their job and we'll do our jobs and uh, hopefully we can get some success in the future and hopefully you're enjoying our podcast obviously you've been uh, with Shane Leonard from Data Driven Sports Analytics uh, Shane thank you so much for joining us again thanks everyone thanks Mark uh, my pleasure and I'm Mark Safoulos from the Tennis Menu please join us uh, on all our social media avenues uh, stay in touch we want to keep you obviously sane in your own households at the moment during your isolation periods and hopefully you're uh, you're trying to learn as much as you possibly can and become the best athlete parent coach or data analyst you can possibly be so enjoy uh, enjoy your next couple of days couple of weeks couple of months and hopefully we can continue to bring some great information to you all in your own homes and I look forward to uh, speaking to you all next week thank you you've been listening to crunching the numbers make sure you subscribe to receive all the first serve podcast. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.